0: going into the summer, things you ought to look out for, and uh, what's going to be munching on your trees. Emmett has uh, a lot of experience in plant health care, and uh, he, his company provides plant health products for sale and uh, helps the folks in our industry get the job done. So welcome, Emmett. Thanks for having me on, Wes. Appreciate it. Yeah, good to see you here. Yeah. So um, you know, we're going into summer. Um, it's May. It gets hot and trees get stressed and we start getting a lot more insect pests around here Um, you know around here we've got different times of seasons where we've got lots of different insect pests changing all the time and summer is a hard one for some of our trees Um, so what are some of the the common pests that we see around here that we really need to be on the lookout for this summer
1: yeah so when dfw well yes there are insect pests in the summer but it's also a fun time to be out scouting for trees and finding these things. Uh, There's a few of them that are really common. Uh, Crape Myrtle bark scale is probably the most common landscape pest that you're gonna see out there. Uh, It's on pretty much all the crape myrtles. Pretty much all crape myrtles. And so what's interesting is, you know, for me being on this side, you know, I've been with Arborjet for about nine years. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, I was a plant healthcare manager for Dallas Area Tree Care Company. And that was like 2010 to 2014. i was right when it was building up yes and so crape myrtle bark scale i have treated thousands of crape myrtles for that pest yep and now as a homeowner i've got i just planted a couple of more uh, i have several crepe myrtles at my house i think it's more something. and uh, you know i was looking at them yesterday or this past weekend Mm-hmm. And I was actually pointing out to my wife. I was like, "Oh, see that up there? See that white stuff? That's the scale insects." Yep. But then I saw it looks like a mealy bug, but it's actually mealy bug destroyer. It's the uh, it's a white. I forget the scientific name, but it's a ladybug larva mm-hmm. for the twice stabbed lady beetle. It's black with two red spots. Yep. And I saw its larva up there with the scale. And yep. Yeah. It's, so it's a it's going to eat them. It's a beneficial insect. Right. And so kind of what I've seen over the years, from treating thousands of crepe myrtles to now having my own at my house, I feel like the predator has caught up to the pest in terms of population. I feel like the predators are doing a better job.
0: Well, the predators do a pretty good job in in a lot of cases. It seems like there's certain varieties that they prefer better than others. Uh, I see Natchez crepe myrtles or some of the little dwarf ones like dynamite that have the red flowers. Mm -hmm. They tend to get heavily infested. Even the really small, the ultra dwarfs, I've had to treat those multiple times a season. It just doesn't seem like the insecticide has as long of a residual on it, but they also get covered up in aphids. Yeah. Um, But you're right. The the predators are definitely good to have around. I like to show my customers signs of the the beneficial predators. Sometimes you'll find groups of pupil cases Mm -hmm. on the trunk for the ladybugs, or you'll find green lacewing eggs. Um, And so it's nice to have that uh, as a kind of a visual aid and you can tell the customer that, look, if the predators uh, didn't have food, they wouldn't be here. It's just a sign that, that you're infested in. Um, it's also a good uh, segue into using systemic insecticides or non-toxic methods that right. are softer on our beneficials.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the pupil casings of the ladybug larva. I remember I had a customer, this is back when I was treating trees. A uh, person sent me a picture what is this they were freaked out because they had the the pupil <laughs> casings the exoskeletons mm-hmm. from the molting uh, attached to their trunk and they were like what is this oh my god what's on my
0: tree and it looks like something out of an alien movie you're right um but it was a good thing yeah and it so, is a good
1: thing. uh Myrtle bar scale that's probably the main thing it started in richardson back in 2004 and so but it's it's fascinating with that scale it spread very quickly throughout the united states and really the yeah. southeast i imagine on nursery stock but well, that's, it
0: spreads fast around here too, I think, because everybody's got grape Yes, It's
1: pretty easy for it to get around. All right. So let's see. Scale insects. So you you mentioned armored scale. Armored scales, yeah. Um, that's one that's another very common pest, uh, especially on our oaks around here. Lots of obscure
0: scales. Yes. I see a lot of gloomy scales on maples, right. sometimes even on sweet gums and hackberries, mm-hmm. but usually on maples.
1: Yeah. And so armored scales are difficult to control with systemics Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to soft scales. And the the main thing that I teach people about on those is how to tell the difference. Soft scales produce honeydew, right? Armored scales do not. And so, uh, you know, to homeowners, if they have a honeydew problem, which is the the sticky stuff that if you've ever parked under a tree and get the sticky stuff on your windshield or on your hood, that's honeydew and that's a indication that that tree may have scale or aphids or some other piercing, sucking insect feeding on yep. it. Whereas the armored scales don't produce that and they're going to be really camouflaged and that's something that might take a professional to, to right. find and diagnose. Uh, even the symptoms of, of armored scale are very discreet and to the untrained eye, you you wouldn't even know there's a problem there. A lot of times my customers look at the tree and think, oh, I just thought that was part of the tree. Right.
0: It looked like a lenticel or Part of the bark, right, and it can be difficult to detect. But I tell my customers that if you've got you know a few hundred of them on a tree, it's not that big a deal. But if you've got a few hundred thousand on right. a
1: tree, it's death by paper cuts. Yes, yeah, they're very debilitating insects. All right, so more so, in, more insects. Oh, coming up, bagworms.
0: Bagworms are hot. They're getting hot right now. Usually, mid May is when we start seeing them pop out they can chew up some evergreens in a hurry. Uh, Some years, it seems like they're really heavy in population. Mm -hmm. And then other years, it seems like we don't see very many.
1: Yeah, uh, that's cyclical nature of of insects, I think is probably a survival mechanism. You know, it's one generation per year, but that doesn't mean all the eggs hatch every year. Right. Well, at least we do know that.
0: We know that there's always one generation per year and that they always come and may or early june Mm -hmm. so if you can go ahead and get your treatment uh at that time when they start to become active you know you're done with it for the year correct
1: and so bagworms depending on where you're at in the metroplex may be an issue or maybe not you know if you're down in dallas proper or you know uh old part of fort worth or something like that you may not see them in your landscape but as you get out into the more newly developed areas so on the dallas side if you're in allen fairview uh parts of mckinney you get north into melissa and anna where there's lots of native cedars you're probably going to be seeing this pest right Uh, and then on the fort worth side where you guys are you're in argyle so probably have a fair amount in argyle um up denton west of denton I don't even know the, the yeah. metroplex is just
0: gone crazy with uh developments it, so. it has it has and and people can identify when they've got them by looking for the little cocoons right. that are on the, usually toward the tips of the branches sometimes they're farther back in the branch but uh, the the caterpillar uses bits of the leaves as he builds his cocoon to camouflage it and so it just contains the foliage of whatever plant they happen to be feeding on
1: Right. So Sometimes Japanese maples, get on. they'll get on everything. Yeah. Um, so, they hatch out of the. They overwinter as an egg. So right. they, you're going to find on your. They like evergreens. So Leland cypress, I think, is their favorite food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you'll find an old bag somewhere in the canopy of that Leland cypress. It'll yeah. be, I don't know, about this long. The eggs are in there, and so when they hatch out in late May, early June, they will be a proliferation of you know, small caterpillars in their little bags mm-hmm. right near that old one. And mm-hmm. the, the little ones, they might be like the size of your small fingernail. You see them twitching in there. You can see yep. the cocoons actually
0: twitching and then you can see them coming out of the top of their bag, right. coming out to feed and then they build their
1: cocoon as they get older and they get right.
0: larger as they go.
1: And so they camouflage really well and most people won't even know that they're a problem until later instars of that pest when they're consuming lots of foliage uh, every single day and they'll eat those trees to the ground. I've seen them eat Leland cypress to the ground. I've seen them eat Arborvitae to the ground. Spartans, Eastern red
0: cedars, bald cypress.
1: Yep. They have a wide palate. Yes, they do. Uh, In heavy populations, I've seen them hanging off of gutters of people's houses.
0: The eaves and on the bricks. Yeah, they get
1: all over everything. And so depending on the infestation level, back to IPM, Mm -hmm. uh, that'll dictate the method of of control, and right. so, um, you know, a homeowner. I have two little uh, blue point junipers at my house, and mm-hmm. I was looking at them the other day, and I saw an old bag back inside of there. And if you can find those bags now before they hatch, it's practical that you could pick those off because yeah. their eggs are inside of there. So collect those old ones and, and discard them. And that should eliminate the pest.
0: It's easier to do on smaller trees. Yes, absolutely. A lot of times you need professional help when you've got it on a big tree and it's just not practical or, or, or safe getting up on a ladder. Yeah,
1: or if there's hundreds of them, it, yes. might, it might be uh, it's
0: well, like
1: trying to pull all the weeds out of your yard. Right, right. You think you could do it, but yep. there's too many.
0: Well, uh, another common pests that we've got around here that should be gearing up, uh, with the heat and the typical drought that we have are wood boring insects. Absolutely. And you know, that's a broad term that covers a lot of different insects, a lot of different types of wood borers. Um, we've got everything from beetle larva to moth larva that actually will chew into wood and, and damage our trees from the inside. But, uh, we see a lot of them when, when our trees get drought stressed Mm -hmm. last year, we had a terrible heat wave. We had a lot of, lot of drought. It was a really rough summer, and we had a heavy population of wood boring insects. And I wouldn't be surprised if we have the same thing this year. Um, so, what are some of the most common ones that you see,
1: and what um, what kind of kicks them off? Yeah. So wood borers, they're kind of endemic. So you've got you've got your native wood boring pests, uh, and then. Also, we have an invasive wood boring pest now, emerald ash borer, that yep. uh, was found in Fort Worth back in 2018. Uh, was found in Denton County in 2020, and then popped up in three locations in Dallas County last year. I also recently got confirmation that it was observed in South Lake. South Lake, okay. Yes. That's, that's new. It's also found in Parker County in, in Hudson Oaks out yes. west of Fort Worth. So uh, it is on the move. Yep. Like from the first location in 2018 to, and I imagine it's going to be found in more Dallas counties, uh, in other places in Tarrant County, um, this year. So we can, we can we could do a whole podcast on EAB. We could. We don't need to, but so EAB is here. Um, native wood borers. So you've got if you show me a mature red oak, I'd bet money that there's probably carpenter worms in there somewhere. Yes. Um, carpenter worms are a large lepidoptera larvae. Uh, I've got an old picture somewhere. I mean, they'll, they'll be as long as your finger inside of a tree. Um, they're kind of interesting. They'll, they'll chew into the heartwood of a tree and climb around in there and chew it up. And then they'll come out, they'll exit through the sapwood and they'll leave their pupil casing in their exit hole. Uh, and they turn into a moth as an adult. And so you'll always see that pupil casing stuck in the exit mm-hmm. hole. Uh, that's a common one. You mentioned drought. So in certain areas where there are pine trees in the metroplex, so I'm thinking uh, kind of like Lake Dallas, Corinth, uh, and then sort of out towards Argyle and uh, not Grapevine, but that South Lake area mm-hmm. where there's pines. Under drought conditions, that'll they'll be susceptible to the Ips engraver bark beetle, which is a type of pine bark beetle. Yep. Um, and what are the signs of that? uh signs of that one you're going to see your tree fading and what i mean by that so a healthy pine is going to be dark green when they get under attack by bark beetles which chews up the vascular system that's transporting the water uh that tree will begin to fade from dark green to a pale green to a yellow to a red right and uh, uh the thing with bark beetles what's tricky is once you start to see the symptoms like once you see it turn yellow it's kind of too late and what you need to be preparing is to treat the trees that are nearby, right? Because bark beetles, uh, they're kind of fascinating insects and that's actually where, so our product triage, which is what put ArborJet on the map as a company, um, triage lasts for two years and has very, very effective control of wood boring pests. Uh, it started with bark beetles. And so we did research with the Texas forest service, uh, bark beetles are attracted to pheromones, either by the plants or other beetles. And so basically those trees get stressed out, the beetles can, can smell that and they attack that tree. And the more beetles that are in there, they, they're releasing pheromones also. And so other beetles smell that and they're like, hey, there's a party over here. Right. and So they all jump on this tree that's stressed out and they kill it. And so the adult beetles burrow through the bark, colonize underneath the bark, lay eggs, and then uh the larvae come kind of fan out from this larval chamber, uh, and so the the galleries are real fan they're kind of fan shaped and so depending on the the type of beetle and so those those larvae will come out, do their damage, and then they hatch out, and they're going to go find another tree to get on. They can do
0: a lot of damage in a short period of time um, they're they're eating vascular tissue it makes it difficult for the tree to uh, to bring sugars down to the roots. And if the sugars aren't getting to the roots, the roots don't create energy, the leaves create energy. Mm-hmm. So if the roots don't get energy from the canopy, stops uptaking water,
1: the whole system breaks down and the whole thing ends up crashing. All right. So on pine, so you wanna be, be on the lookout for fading and with ips and graver beetles, they only, or I shouldn't say they only, they mostly attract, uh, uh, mostly attack drought stressed trees. And so you're gonna see sawdust associated with those. Uh, pines produce resin, as you know, for that's actually a defense compound. And so as a beetle tries to burrow into a pine, that resin that it produces is supposed to push out the beetle. Mm-hmm. Well, with Ips, when trees are drought stressed, they don't have that resin to, to function. The other thing is it's gonna be the tops of pines. So what's kind of fascinating, bark beetles range in size from large, so, out in East Texas, you'll find black turpentine beetle and red turpentine beetle. Those will hit low down on the trunk of the tree versus Ips, which is the smallest species. The larger the beetle is, the it can't fly as high. So if, if the beetle is small, it can fly higher. And so the Ips will hit higher up and then your larger beetles will hit lower down on the tree. And so Ips will primarily kill out the top of a tree. Uh, and then so the, the larger beetles, they'll hit low down and uh, girdle the tree. So, uh, other pests of pines, um, the Zimmerman pine moth, I'm sure that's one you've seen. Yes. So Zimmerman pine moth, we're going to see that on uh, Japanese black pine and Austrian pine also on uh, uh pine mm-hmm. also known as Afghan pine. Yes. And so that I call it popcorn. You're going to see this large or candle wax, You're gonna see this candle wax looking structure, usually uh, where a limb is attached on a crotch of a tree. And you're gonna see that come out. That's another Lepidoptera borer. They have three generations each year. Again, treatable with with the triage products.
0: Well, but because they have multiple generations per year is one of the reasons you need the long residual control. Additionally, the trees are being attacked because they're stressed. Mm -hmm. Having a long residual control gives us as tree managers an opportunity to start correcting the deficiencies, whatever's creating the stress, and to help that tree come out of the stress so that by the time the product has lost its efficacy we're no longer worried about it getting reinvested right. optimally
1: yes and and that long window that that opens up your treatment window as well so on the scale insects where we're talking about using sprays and, and various other methods of treating you've got to know the life cycle of that insect when the crawlers are out when it's an egg things like that with triage because it lasts for two years you really apply it any time and you know it's still going to be present when that borer is there and so that's you know, i touched on carpenter worms early earlier and how they might be in the heartwood for a while well no systemic is going to be in the heartwood right. and so with triage i can treat that tree and know whenever that insect is coming out through the xylem and then out through the phloem through the bark uh, that triage will be there and it'll take care of that insect yes so uh, we talked about borers. we've talked
0: about uh, bark scales armored scales um I think spider mites is another big one that uh, with the heat, summer coming on, that's one that people really got to be on the lookout for because their their life cycle shortens as the temperature goes up and their populations can increase very rapidly to a damaging population. Uh, What would you say are some of the most common species you see spider mites on?
1: Uh, Junipers. So any type of ornamental juniper and italian cypress they're like magnets yeah for spider mites yeah and then also you'll see them on
0: roses and other ornamentals yeah i see them on magnolias i see mm-hmm. them a lot on oak yep. trees yeah uh, cedar elms Yep. Um, and sometimes when the population gets real heavy uh, they can cause some pretty significant defoliation
1: yeah so what's you mentioned oak trees so it's funny um, live oaks mm-hmm. it's mo- probably the most common species in north texas is the live oak very common and the in the winter months the live oaks they keep their they keep their leaves until they put out new leaves in the winter months live oaks will kind of have this bronze color to them and i remember people you know homeowners would say oh that's you know that's the fall coloring of a live oak and i'm like no that's because <laughs> they're loaded with spider mites you know, the fall color of a live oak is dark green. Right. They're supposed to be dark green all the time. And so if, if you see that bronze color, because what spider mites are doing is they're eating the chlorophyll out of the leaf. And mm-hmm. so you're going to see kind of this browning or bronzing, sort of a dusty appearance on, on the foliage. That's an indicator of spider
0: mites. And you also bring up a good point. Yes, we can have big population spikes in the in the Summer during the hot season, but we also have cool season mites. Correct. That can be a big problem when you least expect to have a problem with spider mites. Yep. Uh, so, how do you know when you got a spider mite infestation?
1: Yeah. So, look for the that dusty coloring, and then if you have uh, junipers or uh, the Italian cypress, a good test. You take a white sheet of paper mm-hmm. and just take one of those branches and slap it on the white sheet of paper, and then sometimes you might need a magnifying glass. Uh, but if you've got a keen eye you can usually see the eggs or actually the spider mites crawling around on that white piece of paper yeah i've got some pretty
0: cool little videos
1: that i took with my cell
0: phone with a little um, plastic magnifier that i put over the camera lens Mm -hmm. and i did an up close on a live oak leaf and you could see the little spider mites and the eggs and everything on the leaf and uh so, there, but there's other ways. So, the stippling on the leaf surface, right. uh, a loss of uh, color in the plant, just a general haze. I find that, uh, you know, most plants have a, a glossy kind of appearance, especially, you know, ones that have a thicker waxy coating. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mites kind of give it a dull appearance. Sometimes you can even see webbing on certain plants. Yeah.
1: Yes, uh, I saw that on one of my roses
0: already. We also invite people to come to our website. We've got a tremendous amount of information on there, lots of blog posts. They're going to talk about a lot of these major pests and uh, what we can do about it.